You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, hello, hello. Flying the Call is back with a new episode featuring my conversation with Ganser. Today is all about their album, Just Look at That Sky. The album has many themes which weren't necessarily written for a world in pandemic, but that fit in with the feelings one elicits nonetheless. Listen on to hear more about those themes, as well as the value they place on collaboration at every level of the band, how they went about finding the right label that would understand both their work and their worth, their love for Europe, and more. I saw that someone today from the band account was tweeting about, you know, the, how long the process was kind of, you know, shopping the band around to labels and, you know, making sure you're working with the right people and um, finding places that value diversity and everything. Can you tell me a little bit about that process and um, like what your mindset was going into uh, ser- searching for the right label? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, for us, like any other band, it's kind of a process of, getting together a team and then the team kind of brings you around to different labels and uh, looking at those labels and seeing the rosters. I think uh, some, some labels maybe don't see how, when you look at the picture of the roster, you know, if you don't see yourself within there, it's really hard hard to see you being there in general. Mm -hmm. So for us, I think it was a really careful effort um, to look at the rosters and to see, okay, is this a place where, A, do they have anyone? You know, do they have women on the roster? Do they have people of color on the roster? And then that's kind of a first sign that they would even, you know, take a look at us in the first place. Um, but I think people are becoming more aware of, of what rosters communicate um, and that kind of representation. Um, so our manager just kind of spent, we spent a year um, talking to different labels and um, really talking to people that were on the roster and, and really just trying to narrow down what would be appropriate. And uh, we were really lucky to uh, find Felt. Um, Jeff, uh, the label head, I think he really understands both that, but then also just letting us have a certain amount of autonomy, which has been really nice. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like it kind of, it takes a lot for a band to kind of like have that confidence and feel that they have, um, you know, kind of a a say in it almost because there's such a, you know, especially like the old idea of labels, like there's such a paradigm dynamic between the the labels and the bands. Um, So how was it kind of like keeping those kinds of thoughts in check and, you know, like knowing your value as a, as an artist? Well, I think, 
what really helps is that he gets our sense of humor. So we're able to talk about the things that are maybe more difficult to us, um, maybe a little bit more openly um, than we have in the past. And that's uh, affected uh, how we approach kind of reaching out to places in terms of write-ups and whatnot, and has kind of led to some interesting paths for us in terms of, um, I just threw out some tweets um, maybe about a month ago about um, some tour experiences that we had. And uh, maybe Brian can speak to this. I was batting around some memories with the group and just kind of going, wait a minute, is this as crazy as I remember it? <laughs> um, and then we were approached by Louder for me to write an essay about that. So I think that's something where, you know, uh, as great as like our PR team has been, it's it's been something that's kind of unique in that in this moment, it's kind of a shoot your shot kind of a year. And so um, I think people are finding a place to talk about things they normally would not. And really um, having, uh, as far as, you know, finding the label that we wanted and having some control over that, um, you know, we've definitely done things, I guess you'd say the hard way where we started um, basically, you know, with no reputation and nobody following us and we built things up organically to get to the point where we felt like we had every right um, to control the direction of the band. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that, you know, really strikes me about Ganser is the way that you all kind of um, present yourself. And it, it seems like you have a very clear, you know, plan in your head about how, how you want to present yourself to the world. And um, I'm curious, like, it, it seems that like collaboration is, you know, is something that you, you very much value within the band. Um, do you strictly see it as like a band or is it more of like a multimedia project in your mind? Is that what kind of like draws you is the fact that you can, you know, kind of work within all these, work, work all these other things in with the music? Well, I think, you know, for us, the core is the music. Um, but even in that, we're, pretty collaborative. There are songs that start out from every member of the band and then get kind of bandied around. Um, you know, I, I play bass and sing and can lay down a key line, but I'm no guitarist. So for example, if I have an idea, I have to go to Charlie or Brian to say what kind of guitar goes with this. And ultimately um, then, you know, Charlie would record it in the studio. Um, but you're right. I think coming from, an art school background. Um, when Nadia and I started the project, I think it was always supposed to be something that is hugely multimedia from doing all the design work um, ourselves to directing all the music videos ourselves, editing the music videos. It's all kind of a piece. Mm. Um, and the nice part is that we've had that to kind of distract ourselves during this time. Uh, it, it's been nice to kind of have those videos to round out um, to, to frankly distract ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, how how do you guys how do you kind of like go about juggling all of those different pieces? Where you know some other bands might be focused kind of more solely just on the music and not kind of think about the extracurricular art pieces that go in with it. Well, lucky for us, um, it's sort of like everybody has their own uh, talent that they bring. So, you know, Alicia's definitely got the graphic design thing going for us. Nadia has a pretty strong film background working in TV and film. And um, so it's more that it's, you know, it's not that we have to choose who does it, it's just who does it already. And then that person uses their expertise in that and puts it towards the band project. 
so, you know, in terms of like where Brian comes in and his expertise, uh, when we're compiling files for demos and when we go into the studio, he's the one that takes everything together, pulls out, okay, here's a cool little sound effect from the demo that maybe we want to keep in the final recording. He's the one that compiles that all together. So I think it's a matter of like finding ways not to step on each other's toes and like give everybody a little bit of autonomy mm-hmm. in whatever space is their expertise. Um, but yeah, that's just definitely something that's taken us a couple of years to figure out. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, as far as like, you know, like the overarching, you know, vibe of the band, which I feel kind of, it has like this sort of, you know, just kind of brooding, darker, dramatic kind of feel about a little bit about like everything with the band. How do you kind of go about like cultivating that feel within the music and the project as a whole? Uh, I think, you know, something that we have that we kind of use throughout this process is uh, Google Drive and keeping a file tree called the Sandbox. And the Sandbox keeps lyrics and song ideas, but it also keeps like, I don't know, on my end, like interesting Reddit threads or, um, you know, vocabulary words that you hear in an article and you can just kind of dump everything in there. So Mm -hmm. I think how it's come to function is kind of like, a collective subconscious of at least the four of us mm-hmm. and you know if things kind of bubble through and we find that we're all interested about something that's how it kind of comes comes to uh, be a song or be a music video idea or what have you mm-hmm. um, but that's that tends to be how we do that it's a, so is that generally something that you know that you kind of like agree upon together or that just kind of happens more naturally well, I think, you know, it has to be something that works for all four of us. I, I don't think we've ever put through a song that one person's super gung-ho on that everybody else is really not into. So it's it's definitely a process of elimination. And, you know, we'll have, you know, dozens of demos that then get narrowed down to about 15 that we record. And then from there, it gets narrowed down again for the album. So <laughs> it's just kind of a process of, like, uh, elimination and sifting. Yeah, and I mean... Look at a, look at the sun, or just look at the sun as a whole. Kind of, um, I feel like it feels very much like an album of 2020. You know, kind of encompassing a lot of the taking a closer look at like a lot of the kind of struggles, the internal struggles that you know come with being alive in 2020. Um, you know, what can you tell me about as far as like you know the, the purpose of the album? I feel like it you know more so serves as like a, a journey and like a look into things rather than you know. Uh, like a roadmap for how to deal with them? Uh, you know, I think the the album originally started out with, like, I, I sent the band an email, like a really late night email um, saying, like, what if we just ran screaming into the woods? <laughs> and everything just kind of started from that point. Um, I think in general, the album's kind of like, at, you know, at the end of things, at the end of the world, or just, you know, yourself. Yourself, you're you're going to be the last person that you have to deal with. So rather than having an outward lens in terms of societal issues, which, you know, we're definitely aware of and we tap into, I think it's more about like, are you a good friend to yourself? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it all just kind of starts from there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that, you know, ties in with, um, th- with the song Lucky, you know, kind of really about being, um, about some like intense disappointment in yourself. Um, well, can you tell me about that song and like how, you know, how that one kind of came together for you? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that song is like really like sweaty self-disappointment, like <laughs> really bad self-disappointment. Um, the lyrics came from Nadia and um, well, Brian, you came up with the, the original like music for that one. Yeah, it was basically um, we were looking for another song that was maybe a little more powerful and gritty for some shows we were playing with Daughters back in 2018. So that one um, came together pretty quickly about a month before the show. And then the first time we played it out was at the Daughters show, uh, actually at both shows. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit of a time signature change up and something a little different from us and um, maybe a little bit of a illusion to where we're going. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that, that kind of like power that you mentioned behind the music itself is kind of is something that, you know, that really connects with me about Ganser, you know, the, the kind of driving um, beats in the way that it, it's almost like drone-like music sometimes with, you know, things kind of filtering in and out. Um, how do you kind of go about building the, the environments that um, your music creates? Well, I think a lot of it is about syncopation. Um, Brian and I work together really closely to make sure that the bass and drums are a really good core for everything else to stand on because Charlie, while he's extremely talented as a musician, you know, is jazz trained, you know, definitely has a bit of like the Swiss car, you know, if you're just sitting in a room with him, he'll just like noodle um, very uh, proficiently, but uh, it, it, having like a solid bass like that uh, has a place for him to dance on top of. And, you know, when we're passing songs to him, we've actually used that language before that, you know, I want you to skip across this, like a rock on water, you know, like mm. keep this all buoyant and not have it be too heavy. I think you need to have that angular kind of push and pull. Mm. Um, so that that's where that comes in. Yeah. And uh, I mean, as far as like influence, influences, what are some of the bands that you kind of like take that inspiration from? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, we're all over the place. I think like my one of my favorite things about this project is that you take any one of us and they'll have someone that they love that somebody else in the band hates. So, <laughs> you know, we, we love everything from like Britpop to noise rock, like Jesus Lizard, shellac, stuff like that. But then also, you know, we really had to find a place for us to sit in aggressive music, um, especially as a band that has two female vocalists, <laughs> just because that isn't really something that you hear as much outside of maybe um, things that were actually not too much like, uh, you know, we're not a riot girl band, <laughs> nothing like that, but we grew up listening to those bands. So I think for us, it's been trying to find ways to, kind of Trojan horse, <laughs> this thing that we're bringing forth that maybe people haven't heard so much of before. Like Lucky, like you were saying, has a music video that's about, you know, two guys getting drunk in reverse. Um, and the the impetus for that video, the idea was there, but the casting of those two specific people, I think was definitely something where, you know, obviously we typically like to like cast diversely and try to bring in lots of different voices and faces into our music videos. But we just figured, you know, if we're going to do like shameful falling down drunk, um, <laughs> let's go grab two white guys. Yeah. What guys got you covered there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, um, in the bio, it mentions, you know, that in the past you've kind of like, you found that listeners have had some, you know, 
issues with kind of reconciling the fact that it is two um, women singing um, and that's not necessarily something that, you know, people are used to. Um, but the, the, the rest of that sentence in the bio is like, but that comes to an end with just look at the sky. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious, is that, you know, more of an ex- external change that you've seen in your fan base and the way that they take in your music? Or has that been more of a, a purposeful change in the way that you present yourselves? Uh, good question. Maybe we're just kind of meeting each other in the middle. I think for us, like, really finding out like which songs are more suited to which person's voice has been something that is really important to us. But we do have bands that we love that have dual lead vocals, like, uh, you know, someone like Ride um, or, you know, Breeders, stuff like that, that we, we really do love. So I think it was just about finding the way to best present ourselves so that people were more likely to take it in, if that makes sense. Sure. And how is that kind of, you know, affected, like, the, the day-to-day of the being in the band? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know, Brian, do you have a perspective on that? Because I feel like I'm too in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think that, you know, like, a lot of times we have to sort of um, decide which voice is going to suit the music better. Um, you know, Nadia sort of takes some of the more aggressive, shouty numbers, and Alicia takes the ones where it's sort of more, um, like, smoother singing tone and uh i think we've done a good job of um like just getting used to who's better at what and not you know there's not really an issue with that yeah it's getting pretty natural to figure that out like and you know it's funny because it's like occasionally we'll have stuff written about us where they'll say that i'm singing something that nadia is singing or (laughs) nadia singing something that i'm singing or they think that it's it's one person doing all the vocals and it's just very funny because for us, it's like it's it's becoming pretty clear, like thematically who sings what songs and, and what we sound like. So, you know, I, I we're joking about um, that old 70s stop motion uh, cartoon with Heat Miser. <laughs> oh, <know>? yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I mean. I think you mean. I mean, you mentioned the kind of you know figuring out whose voice fits better where. Um, and I think you know the what's kind of most interesting to me is on a song like Bad Form when it's kind of like a combination of both of them, um, which and especially for that song in particular, it, you know, really fits with the the thematic elements of the song as well. Um, how did you kind of like settle on that style for Bad Form? That was one where um, that was a, a demo that I you know, just was kind of kicking around and some lyrics that I was kicking around and, and brought it to Nadia and just said, you know, you know that like feeling when you really hate yourself for procrastinating? Um, let's do something around that. And so as the song developed, it, I, I think we're starting to find that if one person's talking or singing in one direction, the other person can come in and critique that. They can be kind of like an observation of what's happening so that you know, at the end of the song, it all really dovetails into, um, you know, now I just look at the sun. And um, by that point, I think, you know, the lines are blurred. And I think that those moments are really cool for us. Um, It's nice to kind of like take the hot and the cold as it were and and kind of blend them together. For sure. And I mean, as far as like, the you know the, the writing and performing is there a sort of similar like transformation that occurs within you um when you're when you're when you are writing and recording the music i uh, yeah i mean 
Brian and I, we, we joke about like us being kind of like the steady core, you know, I just because, you know, playing with fingers and stuff, like if we're playing a show, this is what it's going to look like. Brian's going to be on it like a machine. <laughs> I'm going to be standing probably pretty stock still and just kind of like staring out <laughs> over everybody's head. But then Nadia and Charlie are kind of like, uh, you know, the Christmas special, the Charlie Brown Christmas special where all the kids are doing like dance loops <laughs> in their own space. And, uh, you know, you just have to try to stay out of the way and not get hit by Charlie's guitar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And yeah, I mean, the the album artwork is something that kind of stood out to me when I first found um, the band, you know, the way it's very, um it's simple in a way but also with like the details reflected in the sunglasses um it's kind of like uh a little bit of a you know a a dissonance between those um i mean it it certainly you know evokes in me um it's reminiscent of the kind of tim burton's willie and the uh willy wonka um Mm -hmm. movie and i think that's kind of i'm guessing that was intentional uh given the the golden ticket yellow variant of the vinyl um (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about how um, the the artwork came together and the thought process behind it? Sure, sure. Yeah, this was a, a really different one for us. Um, you know, looking back at like our releases and doing the design for the band, um, I always bring options to the band to kind of look at. And as we're writing, I'll just keep, uh, you know, mood board imagery in that sandbox folder. So when we're talking about this one, you know, I think obviously there's a lot of lyrics in the LP that are around weather and how weather relates to emotions um, and, you know, the emotional climate or social climate that you're in. And so the idea of having uh, an individual, you know, you could just, I guess, call it more of like a universal self, you know, you are the sun in your own world. Um, so I think just having that kind of really strong central image was really important. And also, you know, having like my formative music years be like early 2000s, I think looking at a lot of album covers and realizing like what is really going to stand out, um, sometimes is more simple than you'd think. (laughs) And I mean, as I mentioned before, I feel like this is kind of like, a bit darker even than some of your past stuff. Um, but I think just looking at like the album artwork, you know, it, it, you could imagine it being more cheery music. I'm curious, have you, um, some of the newer fans that are like coming in with this release, have you noticed any sort of, um, you know, reaction as far as like the dissonance between the, the artwork and the music itself? Well, I think, you know, I, I think the kind of push and pull that hot and cold that we've been talking about, I think is reflective also in the design to the music. So in the same way that um, maybe the two different vocal styles kind of push and pull against each other, you know, whether guitars on a peel while Brian and I are staying very tight and very centered, there's always a bit of um, tension there. And I think that we're always searching for that tension. So I think, you know, an album cover for this that, you know, if it had been something really dark or, you know, monochromatic or something like that, I think it just would have been too easy, you know? Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where I come from on that is that I, I wanted this to be something, I wanted to treat this like it was like Britpop or something, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah, yeah we had a few alternatives in mind for the cover. Um, a few we just couldn't get, but they were all very bright. Uh, I think two of the ones that didn't make it were actually had Sun either indirectly involved or directly involved. So 
uh, doesn't quite match, uh, like you said, some of the feel of the album. But um, at the same time, I think, you know, maybe it's a nod that we're looking for brighter places than where we're at. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the the Britpop Britpop influence on the, like the music and the kind of aesthetic and stuff. And um, I know I've seen you talk about like, multiple times in the past how you really want to get over to Europe um, and tour as a band. Um, curious what that kind of like drive comes from. Like, do you, do you think there's more of a scene for your music in Europe, or is it more just like the travel opportunity? What is it that is kind of like drawing you over there? I think a lot of our peers have made it over there um, and we've heard a lot of good things about how they're treated and also just the exposure that it would give us to widen our audience. <laughs> and in the UK in particular, um, you know, their music culture goes back quite a while. They take a lot of pride in it. And um, I think in some ways, um, you know, we could expose ourselves to more people in a shorter period of time than um, in certain parts of this country, at least. But um yeah, so I think it just it poses a better opportunity for us that we haven't tapped into yet. And honestly, there's just a lot of stuff over there that is really fascinating for us. I mean, like thinking like there's a band called Posey out of London that's really fascinating and uses strings in a way that I, I still can't visualize how they make it work. But, you know, also a band like, I don't know, like a sports team, like they came over to the U.S. for a little tour and we requested to to play with them for that show um, simply because, you know, we liked their music and, you know, they make pretty like sunny, snarky rip pop. And, you know, we like Pulp and Blur and Oasis and all those bands. So I think, um, I think that we're just kind of receptive to what they're putting down and they're receptive to what we're putting down. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, you, you kind of like mentioned the, um, you know, the live show and the kind of personal connections that come with that. Um, and, you know, even a lot of the, a lot of the lyrics on the album um, kind of deal with the idea of like kind of needing to be everywhere at, well, all at once and kind of like being, you know, a very online, you know, person and band, whatever. Um, how, how does the kind of like live performance factor into those types of things? Good question. I think there's a constant wanting to be in the middle of a crowded room and constantly wanting to run screaming out of it. Um, You know, obviously right now we very much wish that we could be playing shows, but obviously that's not safe and, you know, we can't do that at this moment. But typically when it comes to like our live shows, I think um, it it ranges in everything from being very confrontational sometimes (laughs) on Nadia's, uh, you know, side of things or, uh, collaborative, you know, jumping in the crowd, um, to, you know, being extremely kind of avoidant and prickly. Um, but I think that that kind of, kind of follows the sound of the music. So hopefully nobody takes that the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it sounds like that it's very much you know, from what I've read, it seems like you, you're very into like the, the performance aspect of it. Um, how is it kind of, you know, taking, making it more than just the literal, the literal performance of the music and making it more of that um, experience? Uh, yeah, so I mean, sometimes we've had uh, video projections, which we will put together through uh, some video collage that we've pulled together. So that's something that we've definitely done in the past. Nadia definitely will get into a crowd and get into people's faces. 
um, if it calls for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for us, I think it's, it's, we, we're not really a band that ever aims to be sloppy. So I think even if it looks like things are out of control or really wild, they're actually pretty, pretty tightly controlled in terms of uh, how we've come to kind of operate with each other. Um, you know, and in, in regards to us working together, I, I don't think that we could be releasing this album having recorded it all last year or really survived uh, an album campaign in the conditions that we're doing it in right now if we hadn't worked through a lot with each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's strange. Like the more barbed the music has become, the softer we are with each other. Um, <laughs> it's been a weird inverse. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that kind of... Um you know, controlled craziness of the music. And um, I feel like Bags for Life is uh, one of the songs that that comes through the most for me, where it feels like, you know, it's right on the edge of going out of control, but it's somehow, you know, you keep it reined in. Um, And I mean, with that being the climax to the album, um, what was it uh, about that song that made it kind of fitting for that, that end of the album? Well, I think it was pretty grandiose. Um, you know, Brian, I don't know what your first reaction was when I, I first like kind of brought you in like on the idea, but the idea of just like even having like a full horn section was pretty ambitious for us. Yeah, we just happened to know some people um, through Charlie who fit the bill. And, um, you know, that's one that Bags for Life is, um, that's a tough one because we were hoping to be playing a release show in a couple of weeks here and we fully intended a few months ago to have a full horn section backing us up, probably ending the set with that song and having a horn section come out. Not going to get to do that this time around. Um, hopefully we'll get another chance. But yeah, I mean, that was a, that was an exciting one just because I think the, 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 the song, you know, is about like, <laughs> it was about the end of the world with people being on the internet as it's happening. And now that's happening, which is really strange. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so like, how has the kind of, you know, the the meaning and the feeling behind it changed for you now that the the situation has changed so much? Uh, you know, I I think the thing that I'm kind of finding, especially as like other music is getting released right now, is that I think by four people trying to be very collaborative in the music and all kind of bring things in and kind of keeping our eyes open and saying, you know what, I just keep seeing something about this particular phenomenon over and over and over again right now. Um, why don't we make a song about it that hopefully, you know, we're collecting, we're kind of collecting our thoughts into like a collective subconscious, but hopefully it also taps into things that are going on. So, you know, even though we weren't writing for this moment, um, it is something where when we're watching what's going on right now, we can kind of connect the dots or even other people that were recording when we were recording. It's been, it's just been interesting to see what people were worried about as of late last year. Like, well, how has it been kind of like changing it from that, you know, it's not necessarily like a reactionary writing style, you know, how has it been kind of it, having it be from that p- place of outside observation to now experiencing it in a way? Well, you know, I think, when you write about stuff like this in terms of, you know, uh, either disappointment in yourself or, you know, there's another song called told you so on the record that is really just kind of about that great feeling about um, just embracing being a bit of a dick, uh, (laughs) a kind of like a belligerence um, that, 
if you play around in the water enough with that kind of stuff, like you're going to have to be able to back it up. So I think um, it, it's definitely helped. I think kind of processing those thoughts uh, has helped us in terms of being more outspoken in this moment. Um, just like not holding punches anymore. Because um, I think for us, we really thought that, you know, if we, there's this thought that like you make art and then you put it outside of yourself and then it gets evaluated outside of you, but that's not really how the world works. So I think we're really showing up, up to bat to kind of meet the subject matters in our, in our music, but also um, just kind of more stand up for where we think we can be and, you know, where people like us could be in the music scene if things, you know, were a little different. Yeah, so it's all, I mean, it's almost like that getting into that mindset when writing your music kind of prepared you to really, you know, take advantage of the situation now that it's, you know, been presented in a more real way. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I saw somewhere, uh, I think in one of the other interviews that you've done, um, where when you're writing the music and it's really more going for a feeling rather than, okay, play these notes in, the, in this pattern. Um, I'm curious how that kind of plays out both in the writing process and in, you know, the live performance. Yeah, I think, you know, you can only really do that when there is um, some technical training behind it. But that is definitely something where translated over into something extremely tangible and extremely rigid. Um, you know, there was there was a song off of our last record called PsyOps. And I think I just, I think I said to Charlie, like, imagine that you're in a knife fight in the jungle go <laughs> and it's like take that abstract you know vignette and kind of do with it what you will and I think you know we work together similarly Brian and myself where it's like I'm no drummer <laughs> but I can say I want it to feel like this and then it's like whatever you want to do with that technically mm -hmm. you know, uh, go and interpret. Part of it is um, you know knowing who the members of the band are what they can do and then sort of arranging ideas to fit better in the situation that we have. Yeah. And I'm curious, I've been listening to, you know, I've been getting actually really into jam bands lately. So I've been listening to a lot of like the Grateful Dead and Fish, but I'm curious, does that lead to any sort of like improvisation at the live show? You know, we don't really improv live. Um, you know, I think for us, there, there maybe are some small moments, um, you know, in terms of like the songs themselves, we don't, we don't tend to do that. I, although I will say I, we have been, and especially now in quarantine, but even before been listening to a lot of music that is very droney, hypnotic. Um, Brian and I both really like dead skeletons. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe leaning more into like, yeah, that little psych edge. Um, that's definitely something that's always kind of piqued my interest at least. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, I kind of always like to wrap up by, you know, asking for either a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about, um, an organization you want to signal boost, kind of whatever it is that, you know, is kind of on your mind that you want to share with the audience. Well, I think this, this moment right now is at least making me think a lot about um, really, this is going to sound really cheesy, but uh, having gratitude, especially if you're working within a group project. Um, especially when everything is really hard. I think it's it's really important to look around and really have care for the people that you're collaborating with um, and really kind of share the weight of the collective thing that you're doing. But at the same time, 
um, really trying to be in the moment. I think that that's, that's constantly what I'm trying to do is just really appreciate what we're doing as we're doing it, as opposed to, uh, you know, hell, I, I messed that up or, you know, um, worrying about the future or, or the past. Um, you know, we're really looking forward to getting back out there and hopefully everybody stays safe and, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing and uh, we'll see you soon. Awesome. And I mean, was there anything that I haven't had on about the, the new album that you've been really itching to get out there? Well, um, I don't know when is this episode going to come out? Um, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, it'll okay. probably, be, probably be post-album release, though. Okay, well, it'll be good. They can go look this up then. There's <laughs> uh, one last video that we put together that I'm really excited for us to get out there and have people see because it was a wild little moment. It's for a song called Projector. Um, and it's, it's just kind of about bloviating and, um, we, it was Nadia's idea. We just set up a crazy Ted talk and, uh, had a absurd, uh, Ted talk essentially. And we filmed it the day after South by Southwest was canceled. So it was right before everything went to complete hell. Um, but I think some of that energy of what the heck is going to happen is uh really there <laughs> so yeah that's fun i don't know if fun is the right word but uh that'll, that'll exist <laughs> yeah for sure i mean it's definitely like i've been thinking about a lot the fact that you know covid keeps coming up in these conversations i'm having with bands and how it's like affected them and you know it, it seems like overdone but it'll be definitely a really interesting um time capsule of the time like especially with everything you know unfolding in real time <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like, I can't even process anything that we're working on right now. Like, I need to sit with any ideas that I have right now in regards to what we're all going through. But I'm glad that some of it's documented for sure. Thanks so much to Alicia and Brian of Ganser for taking the time to talk. You can check out Just Look at the Sky out now on Felty Records. A second sky blue pressing of the album is available on vinyl, along with CDs, t-shirts, and all that other good stuff. Ganser's music is well worth your time. And Just Look at the Sky feels like the kind of album that will keep the hype train barreling down the tracks, attracting the attention of everyone who hears it. So why not you too? A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much and have a great week. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. 
Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.